I'm really excited to have my first guest, uh, my first guest on Gary Darnell. And Gary is the Associate Executive Director of the American Football Coaches Association. And Gary's coached college football for more than 30 years, including stints. He's been an interim head coach at the University of Florida, at Texas A&M University. Uh, he's also been a head coach at Tennessee Tech. And uh, also, when I worked with him, he was a head coach at, at Western Michigan. Gary's had a lot of stickers on, or has a lot of stickers on his bag. He's had career stops at the University of Texas, at Notre Dame, Wake Forest, North Carolina, SMU, Oklahoma State, where he played, and then even had a stop here at Kansas State. One of the reasons that Gary is such a wonderful fit for this podcast is that he's been a, in a position of leadership most of his career. Uh, he's been a head coach, an assistant coach, a defensive coordinator at eight different universities. I also had a great privilege of, of working along Gary uh, when he was at Met Western Michigan. So Gary, welcome, and let's let's just jump right in. So let's let's talk about this, Gary. Um, you know, in in your role today at the AFCA, what steps what steps do you take to make sure that projects are completed on time and on budget and to the proper standard? You know, now now I ask you that question, but then I also kind of want you to go into how how does that transfer from your roles as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach? So, so what I'm asking you is, when you were, or excuse me, as you operate in your, your role today, you have projects that you have to get done and, and they should be done in a timely manner. And then you have budget situations that you have to deal with. How do you, how do you make sure that things are done in a timely manner in your role today? And then how does that, how does that correlate to what you did when you were a head coach, when you were, more so when you were a defensive coordinator? Uh, when you had to have projects completed, things that you were in charge of, how does that correlate to what you have to do today? Well, you know, I, I think everybody the simplistic answer. You always have a plan, but that plan has to be coupled with 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 direction. It's got to have it's got to the players and the coaches and your whole organization has to understand what it is you're trying to get done. And so communications for me was always uh, just critical. It's like I don't know if I ever had a staff meeting that I didn't go in, that all my notes weren't there in front of me. We did it. We went through it. So I didn't waste people's time. And then you know, whatever pertinent issues that were there, you know, we went through them. And then I even had it uh, in my interim time at University of Florida for the one year there when I started staff meeting in the morning. It began with the, everybody, everybody, secretaries, everybody, and then you know to duck the touch base right? because it was uh, you know a little bit of volatile time. So I we would touch base and what to do, and then as it would come down to it, well then at once you know a piece of 
information had been discussed, well then, you know, a certain say the secretarial staff did that lead. And then we take the medical report and then submit it back in here. And then they would leave. And then it would be, you know, whatever it is, the scouting reports or whatever, that would go and the GAs and the analysts the people, they would leave. So the point being is that, you know, it, the communications is just critical and how you do it and being clear and precise is, is paramount. Okay. Now, now, of course, I I work with you. You were the head coach at Western Michigan, but when when you're the head coach, you're responsible, and you alluded to this earlier. You're responsible for the entire team. Your actions they affect the players, they affect the coaches as well. How would you describe your leadership style? And then and then how would your colleagues describe it? Uh, I, 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 you can tell if I'm right on this because you serve in both roles of it. But uh, I don't know, it's pretty simple in my mind. And simplicity is always something in my mind. But I think, you know, without a doubt, my transfer style was firm, fair, and you care. And then there was that, that had been a tough month. You know, that was just a part of the game. So I think if, you, if you're firm with what you say, and you're fair in what you say, and you really care, and they know that you care, then when it comes to tough love, uh, you know, that's how you can communicate with each other. And, and, and I can attest to it as a player, and then as a, as a coach working on your staff, I would say that you were always that firm, mostly firm, uh, and fair. <laughs> so, so let, let's talk about tough love if you have a if you have a staff member um who is who is underperforming what steps do you take to improve that person's performance as a leader i i think i think when you do that you start you know you call the guy in and you start it off as a we problem you know, it's like we got a problem i think we got a problem and then then you kind of put out there what what is uh, you know you want to do it, and then you get it down to it's a you problem. You know, okay, so you got a problem. So what is that problem? And then you work through that. And then once you go through that, then you come back to the we problem again. You know, so yeah, I think it's a process. We go to we have a problem, your problem. Let's talk about it, and then we'll get it back to a we problem. Because I I always felt like. Uh, if, if I was a leader in my, in my organization, someone had a problem, I was I, I wanted to help be part of the answer. You know, so so I've had the opportunity here at Kansas State to to work with Coach Kleiman and be in this assistant head coach role. And you know, when you're the head coach, you sit in that seat, and everybody has the answer. You know what I mean? Everybody can tell you what you should have done. And everybody has an opinion on how you should have handled a certain thing or another. And so I've really had an opportunity to, to see what, what he deals with. But for you as a head coach, I would like to know what, has, what was the toughest decision that you've had to make, right? What was the toughest decision that you had to make? And, and how did you decide upon the action that you finally took? Well, uh, this is on a much lower level or a different level you're talking about, but 
know, are you, are you, are you propelling yourself or are you moving yourself to doing what's right? And I, I'll give you a, a do right story. But, but uh, this was back in the 80s and that our first years in Texas. And when those days, uh, University of Texas in those days, you still had track and camp where and you had coaches living in the dorm and you had curfew, you had all that stuff. Well, so we had curfew. I, one night was my time to do it. And I was, I was really kind of coached on the staff. And so I found four, four freshmen, some freshmen. So four freshmen come walking in, and they were about 30, 40 minutes late. And I was standing there waiting on them. So I had to talk to them and that, whatever. And so first thing, I was at meetings the next morning. So I, you know, I, I finally I said, okay, look, I've got to tell y'all, you know, here's what happened last night. Wasn't that big of a deal, but it was because they violated a church thing. And that was in some ways. But so... The head coach was John McVick. He said, okay, we're going to deal with it. Thank you for telling us, Matt, you know, that you didn't try to protect these guys. You know, I didn't really didn't baby around. Well, I think it worked out. All right. Out of those four guys I just mentioned, uh, there was one All-American. There was one All-Pro, two All-Pros. There's a Heisman Trophy one. And <laughs> those guys went, well, they did pretty well. I had Ricky Williams, Priest Holmes, Bryant Westbrook, Trey Thomas. I mean, it was so – that was a that I, I think that justifies you know their, your level of performance does protect you doing what's not right. Right, right. As a player. Well, I, I think that you know you and I have had many conversations over the years about this topic, the topic of leading from the front. And so, what I like for you to do is just is just. Uh, take me through what that means, leading from the front. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's leading from the front, you know, me, I mean, it, I think as a young buck, it's first start coaching, you do it because you want to show the players you can do it, you know, or, or you know, I'll, you know, watch me or whatever. And I think that's okay, but, you know, I tell you, it's a little over, it's a little tough to do. So, you know, what why is it important to leave the front to me personally? Because I think the, I think you know the, the players, your troops, or whatever, need to be able to see you out there and that you're there with them. And then you, you didn't just delegate. You didn't delegate for them. You're you're part of the answer. And I I just wanted to. You know, I thought of all kind of guys that I want to ever everybody to know you can lean on me and. Uh, that's the, that's the way I was raised, and that's the way I always kind of managed. Great. Like I said, we, we've had many discussions in that way. It's, it's really easy to jump out there and and, uh, and do the drills when you're young. Uh, but as you get older, it's a little bit more difficult. <laughs> so, so uh, as a matter of fact, in, in one of the workouts here recently, my player challenged me and said, Coach, why don't you get out here? I said, listen, man. <laughs> It's my job to direct you, <laughs> and I'll get out there in certain situations, not this one. <laughs> so, so you know, as a leader, Gary, uh, you know, we sometimes want to do it all, right? And, and I get chastised by my wife, and I'm sure you get chastised by your wife, Sandra, uh, about the fact that we have to, we have to delegate. Uh, missions at times. Explain to me your approach when it comes to delegation. 
uh, you know, delegation for me was a staple of my organization, and I always had for because you, you got to your organization. First of all, your basic structure needs to be sound, and also I think just the fundamental sound stuff. You, the person, could actually read a book and figure that out, but but. The delegation of it is in today's society, particularly today's game. I, you know, I, I, my career transcends about four decades. So let's let's be real here. And, and you know what I learned from era to era to era to era. But the era that, that that's being lived in now. I mean, you have, I mean, you have staffs with a hundred people. You can't run all that. You, you even have guys in you know major that have. Actual general managers. It's like, wait a minute, general manager in college football, we got some different aspects. So, point being is that there's so many facets of it, you can't do that. So, how well you can take it, 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 it truly is like being a, a, a leader, uh, a military leader, and things divided up into different segments, and everybody's got to be able to depend on your second good, even though they don't want you. So, I think, you know, it, it's, I, it, I think it's a little bit ludicrous to think that you can micromanage everything. So you have to be able to delegate. And then when you delegate, you know, the first thing that comes up is you hire someone that has the ability to do it. And then number two, can you trust them to do it? You know, and, 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 uh, they, and can they do it? So I think, you know, knowledge and then the actual assignment of that and the execution of that's that's why you have to okay. Well I, I I go back to one of the one of the staff book assignments <laughs> that we had at Western Michigan. It's uh the yep. book is Be No Do and it's written from the US US Army uh leadership manual. And uh, I learned so much from that book I always refer to it and it goes back to the, the topic of delegation and the book talks about if if you have a private and I'm just going to use him as a lower rank in a squad if you have a private in a squad and the squad leader goes down and he's never been trained he's never been given the opportunity like you talked about he's never been given the opportunity to to do things to operate when the leader of the squad goes down you got a problem and uh and so like i said i always always refer to that book you didn't think i still had it but <laughs> what i do yeah, I, I think about it man sometimes because when you train your players me it's be like i i was in the air force so you, you train pilots well you know it's really important that you train a pilot really well because when you get up there the power goes off and the right wing shot off that sort of thing how you know what do you do well you got to learn to be able to do things for yourself and if you don't delegate i mean that to me that's part of the big learning process for for all of it all it's tweets that you're you're learning you're teaching them to learn and then you're letting them what you got to do is let them try out what they learn and if you don't delegate i mean I, i'm talking to players so you got players committees and whatever but you got coaches you know you, 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 because I, I give you a really good example. When we was playing, uh, I was at Notre Dame, we was playing Michigan, the open game of the season. Whoever wins that game that night is going to be number one in the country. And 
And so all our guys, you know, I got my set set up and then all that stuff that you do. Three minutes and two, two minutes, a little, little less than three minutes left on the first half. Our, our whole uh, communication systems went down. And I was not able to talk to anybody. And that was the year that they came out and introduced their no-huddle offense. And so I, I was standing there by myself with no one to talk to. So my point being is, but I had been along the way. I had been taught to learn to do things. You know, when it's just you, you got to bid on You can do it. And, and because people delegated things for me to do along the way, and I learned. If I hadn't, I wouldn't have learned. Well, and I, and I think that goes to a, a, a great point about your career when you study your own career. And I'm sure you haven't studied your own career, but I have. And, you know, you've been a head coach. You've been a defensive coordinator. You've been a position coach. And you've also been an analyst, right? So you've, and you've been a GA. So, so you've, you've taken the, the football coaching world, you've taken every step that you can take. And so when you talk about delegation, when you talk about having an opportunity to do, to learn, to develop, you, you've done it all. Well, I, I, I feel fortunate along those lines. But it's just, I would, you know, as far as, you know, I'm, I'm going to hope there's some young coaches listening on as we're doing this with anybody. But it was always important to me to make sure I understood the whole big picture. I coach on both sides of the ball. I, I like to think I'm a defensive guy, and I am a defensive guy. But for me to understand defense, I had to understand offense. And so I really, I when I went to the University of Texas, I went there to work with the offense. I was going to go be the running backs coach, and I never coached running backs. But I wound up being the special teams coach, the tight ends coach, which was perfect for me because that special teams was, you know, special. But the tight end coach in that particular system made me learn the passing game and the uh, protection systems. And because of that, then when I went back over on defense, I understood. And I think it's real important, you know, that offensive guys working. I mean, if I was an offensive um, aspiration guy, I, I'd want to work with defensive coaches. I, you know, if you ask an offensive coach what to do, they're going to get the same reason that you see. But if you want to find out what your reasons and why you should go back some way, work with the other side. I really believe one of my building uh, stones in anybody's career or to- overall knowledge is work on the other side of the ball sometimes so you can get both perspectives. I think that's that is very true. I had the opportunity at your encouragement to, to take a job at North Dakota State coaching the wide receivers. And it gave me a, a, a very different perspective you know, as as I coached the DBs. Now, there were some real arguments in the staff room because the offensive coaches would always want to tell me what the defensive guys were doing over there. And so I'd say, no, that is not cover two. <laughs> you know, so it ended up, but it, but it ended up really being a, a great learning experience. I, I, I'm such a big believer in that because I, I really, I, I had really thought, okay, and if I was in today's world, if I was to go back and coach it tomorrow, I would hope I could go be a, an assistant to the, the receiver coach because the passing game, where it's come to, and all that sort of thing. I because and then not to diminish what's going on with the running game either because of the zones and all and how and you know things. You, you think about the differences of how it's done. That was point being is that 
it is so uh, removed from maybe some of the fun. Now, fundamental drives fundamentals. But yes, schemes, you, you need to be able to understand what are they trying to do over there. But if you can't understand what they're trying to do, then what are you going to do to stop it? <laughs> right, right. So, so let's shift gears to, well, not really, but I want to know, we all study, and I know you are a study of, of great leaders. What great leaders inspire you? I, I, you know, I, I'm going to just do this from a sports sense, okay? I, I mean, as far as public figures and those sort of things, uh, Will Rogers would be one of my all-time favorites, but uh, you don't even know who Will Rogers is. <laughs> But from a sports sense, I, I, you know, I, I, I have, there, there was Tim Weaver, who was athletic, my athletic director hired me at Western Michigan. He and I had a background through the University of Florida and went on. So why Jim, because he was an athletic director, but he also, because he'd been a football coach at, 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 and played at Penn State, that sort of thing. He had a sense for all the things that you have to deal with. And then he had a good business sense doing that. Another guy, the exact same, and I, well, I looked at the phone, was the Lost Gods. The Lost was our athletic director at Texas, but he also was our athletic director at Kansas State. And I knew him before that when he was working in the old Big 8 office in Kansas City's my recruiting area. So I would go have, I would speed him at a track meet or something. They got to know the lot. And I, you know, just the utmost respect. And then he winds up, you know, coming from, those beginnings to be in the athletic director of Texas, which is, you know, the wealthiest, one of the most powerful athletic departments in the country. And then as far as one other guy I would toss out there, and I really, I really, just out there, I think if I was a young coach, uh, I, I would hope someone would tell me, you need to study John Wooten. And John, you know, John Wooten was the basketball coach at UCLA. You know, he won seven straight national championships there. And, think, and to read him you know, with the humble beginnings that he started his closing career, but the humble basic fundamentals that he used to win championship after championship after championship was incredible. So I, 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 I give you stories, stories why I particularly like the Cumberland, but I, I, would, I would find out about John Wooden, how he thinks or how he thought. Great. Now, I've heard many stories from coaches that you've worked with over the years, but, but of your past head coaches, right, the ones who you work with, who were the greatest lead, leaders amongst them or your favorites amongst them? Uh, I, I, you know, I've thought that, and I want you to know that's a really hard question for me to answer because I think I've worked with 12 different head coaches, so... And, and, and every one of them had their strengths and almost none of them were the same uh, as far as what they were. And, um, you know, so what is it about a head coach that you'd be looking at or what is it? I think in, in my, for my estimation, you know, what it was for the head coach to lead you in a way to be the best to be. And so I'm talking about players, I'm talking about coaches. I, and I think it's an endless conversation to do it that way. But... Uh, I, I would think one thing I would say about you know when you have a relationship with coach, it's 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 important. Uh, I, I think sometimes you may not like the guy that well, but the thing that you got to do is you got to respect him and support his position. 
And, and that's the most important thing. And what, I mean, because I, I mean, I've got, I mean, just great coaches. And, you know, but to, to say one and leave the other one out, I, it'd be hard for me to do. But, uh, you know, whether it's from Lou Holtz to John Macklin to, to like some of you know, favorites, because he's a lot like Bill Dewey. And in Carolina, we, we, University of North Carolina, we won lots of games, won championships. But we were, we, we knew what we were, we were being led. And we, we knew how that part was working out. Uh, Galen Hall uh, was an incredible coach because, first of all, Galen, Galen probably one of the winningest college coach ever at any level because he played at Penn State. He was an All-American. They won a national championship. Oklahoma, he was there for years. He won national championships. Florida, we won that. He went out to the uh, one of the pro leagues, and he won that year. Because Galen knows how to win. And, you know, so, and, and to know him uh, as a person and his demeanor was special because Galen basically handed it to you. He gave you the keys to the car and says, be sure and get us back home. You know, and, uh, so... Those, those folks, but I, and it's really hard for me to pick one guy because the strengths, I, I, I'd have to tell you this, Dave Smith, when I was at SMU in Oklahoma State with him, we were probably more progressive than anybody I'd ever seen. He, he was so far, even though we were still, that was still the wishbone days, but the, you know, the things that he added to that, to the program, and, you know, from him I learned to be progressive in my thinking. So, I mean, each guy you take something away from, you know, you take a little something with him. Well, I tell you, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about our time together, not when I was a player, but when I was a coach. I even go back uh, to, to the time when I was a player, but, but most specifically, I remember times when we were together uh, at, at Western Michigan. Now, those were, not the, those were not the most fruitful years, right? We didn't win every game, but, but the thing I always remembered is that Coach Darnell as a leader, like you alluded to a minute ago, is we had the staff meeting and everyone in the staff meeting knew exactly where they stood. They knew exactly their mission within the organization. But but I think it's easy to coach during the during the good times. You know, it's very easy to coach during the good times. I feel so blessed because I had the opportunity. Maybe maybe you don't feel blessed during this time because we didn't, like I said, we didn't win every one of our games. But I had the opportunity to be with you in a trying time. And to me, that's when the leader, that's when I measure the leader. That's my person, me personally, me as a young coach, I, I gained so much respect for you during that time because every day you came in with the same work ethic. Every day you came in with the same directives. Every day you came in and you put the same challenges in front of the coaches. And, and no matter how bad it might have gotten, I never saw you waver in, in who you were as a coach and who you were as a man and who you were as the leader of the organization. So I, I, I still, and I, and I continually hope that I pray to, uphold that standard that you put into me as a young coach. You know, one of the things I, it's, I don't know where, how I, I put this out there with you, but for me, it is so important to, for coaches.
coaches to understand that it's it's the players' time. They only get four. You can coach for forty years, but you only get to play for four. It is their time, and it's your job, and it's your it, what you should be doing is making sure they get the most maximum optimal opportunity and, and that, that you can have as a player. And, and it's kind of like you know the the, the what their players have to do. Uh, the thing that breaks my heart about all it's their time, but they're going to lose some of their time. But when a coach changes, when a say a staff change comes in, or whatever, it was important to me to make sure the players I inherit, I, I you know, to, that they understood that it's their time. This is their time to play college football, and we got to maximize that as well as we can. What well, coach? I feel like it's the same way. It's your time, and I, I, I mean, you might not, but I coach can say that. Yeah. When we took it. Well, they had the time back. This is all, and, but it was the losingest program in the history. I mean, it, and we got to put on uh, the probation that we inherited. Like, we didn't do it, but we inherited was the second worst probation in the history of college football. And so we, we, didn't, get we, only, we didn't get to have spring practice. We, and then the next year they had won a game in three years, and we won four of first year theirs. How does all that come together? I think it's. <laughs> Accepting and realizing, help people and say, "Look, man, this is your time. You you can use it, or, you know, or, or any way as you see fit. But if you wanted to maximize it, it's your time. But if you take away from other people's time during this time, then it won't be your time. You know, you you've got to be part. So everybody gets to have their time. Players, mostly coaches, uh, will come and go, but it's still yeah, it's their time." So, so you've had the, you've had the opportunity, like we talked about, to be at a lot of places, to lead a lot of young men, to lead a lot of coaches. How do you, or how have you, over the years, set up measures for yourself to evaluate your performance as a leader? Uh, I, I think I do that. You know, I mean, I do it subconsciously. Well, I know I do it subconsciously because, you know, I. And it's not so much, you know, but my perspective is I want to be the best coach that they ever had. So I'm working for them. So what can I do? And, you know, that's where the, the decisions as a coach, you know, or, or teacher or leader, period, you know, how much do you give to them? Let them do it. And how much do you, you know, you either push them or you, you pull them or you push them. How you get them through there. And I, uh, I don't, Coach. I, I just, I really, uh, I, I just get, I, I just really won't get to where I surround myself with people that they can really believe in themselves, and and they certainly know if they, you know, if they got a problem, who they go to to help get take help with that problem. One of the things that that I learned from you is is that triangle, the triangle triangle of relationships, the coach to the coach the coach to the player and the player to the player. And I, and I think, I think that's been instrumental in my development as a coach. So, so now we're going to shift team, shift, shift gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about when you have stepped into a new role, when you have stepped into a, a position as a new head coach, what, 
what is the first thing in that place, in that position, what is the first thing you think that a new head coach has to find out about his team? I, I, I think, well, yeah, I, I think and I know. But I, mean, you know, I want to know the level of confidence. You know, I want to know, you know, what are we dealing with here? These guys, are they broken? You know, are, are, are they lost? You know, are, are they overly cocky? You know, I, and, you, know or, you know, whatever it is. I just want to know what their level of confidence is and how you do that is <clears throat> I can do, you know, do that. And I ask the question, can we win or whatever, why can we win? You know, just the point questions to find out. But I want to know how confident they really are. They just kid themselves. Or they, you know, it's just, just a, uh, you know, a, a party gathering for them. And then the next thing, that the next thing I'd want to be able to do is be sure and then figure out their level of desire. You know, generally that comes in, you know, the conditioning and that sort of thing. But it actually comes up with, uh, you know, whatever the rules that fit, you know, that particular university where, you know, make sure that those rules are no longer, and then see how they handle them. But what is their level of desire and how, how good they want to be? And that's okay. That, and then I think, you know, the one thing, through that, you've got to be able. Are you this? This is in recruiting or anything, but you got to know do they want to win. You know, because if they don't want to win, it doesn't. You know, that changes the scheme. And I and just so I will say this because I'm very adamant about the fact that the things that I say about what I'm saying pertain to college football. I don't think it pertains to high school football because you don't get to choose your players. My whole management style with a high school team would be different because. You don't have a choice. You don't recruit those high school players. They're there. So it's, you know, I, I have a special, special uh, place in my heart for high school coaches and how they go about it. But back to college coaches, you know, you've got to find out because you've got somebody there and you're giving them a scholarship or whatever else and they don't want to win or they don't do that or you know, you really got a problem. So do that. And then, so with that, and then this is always going to try to say, I mean, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a third generation black disciple guy, but you know, will they take coaching? You know, I mean, right. do they want to be? Uh, will they accept your coaching? Where are they with that? Because if they don't want to be coached, they got all the interest, and, uh, and they just changed that, got another coach prior. Well, I, I just need to know, will they take our coaching? Right. One of the one of the things we used to say all the time uh, when I stepped into a new job, I would say, listen. If your way worked, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> well, um, so 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 you've taken this new job. Are there any things? Are there any things that you, as a new coach, you feel like you have to get changed or implemented immediately? Well, I, I, I think you know the first because I got to see what I got, you know, and. Uh, uh, if I've got, I mean, it, 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 if I, why, why, why don't you wind up with that job? If you leave or, or the head coach, whoever you are, you know, why, first of all, why even there? What caused, what was, what happened for, the, for that spot to be open that you're there now? And once you find that out, then that gives you know if it's just because the other guy, you know, did really well, he moved on, or the guy really bad got fired. Why do you get fired? I mean, there's so many things into it. So, but it goes back to, you know, what I said a little earlier. When 
go to that new job like that, you know, how, how these guys think, what they think coaching, do they want to win, uh, and just see see where they are with this, with the real picture. Where are they with reality? And I think that might be the, the key word right there, is that there's a reality to what it really takes to win certain levels, certain schools, whatever. Are they living in that reality? Are they just living a dream? You know, I, I think I think you. you I, I would tell you. So it's one of the things that was always and still is to today. And so it's just one of those hurtful little things. When when, when players, when coaches refer to college guys as kids, uh, and so here's the reason why. When I was that age, you know, we were in the Vietnam War, uh, sending sending. Saying kids in Vietnam War was not a good idea. You train them to be men. Those, and I think that's your job. You know, you train them to be men and take, under, accept and understand decisions and, and responsibilities and realities and that's those sort of things. So all of that to me is coaching. You know, getting a guy to accept responsibility, understanding realities. You know, I, I don't live in a dream world. Live in a real world, and so that you can have real solutions. I just got a couple more, uh, and, and really one one of them is is a serious serious question because of the time that we're in, right? Dealing with COVID nineteen and the stressors of that. How do you think? How do you think you would handle uh, coaching and operating in this environment, the COVID nineteen environment, the environment of uncertainty? Are we going to play or we're not going to play? We're going to play conference games. How do you think as a head coach you would handle this time, these moments with your team? Well, I, this is not how to answer the first part of it anyway, is that, you know, it's always communications. You know, I would be, I would, and to what I see, you know, everybody's trying to do the very, very best they can to say, well, what's real today? And, and try to keep determine as much as possible, you know, what, what's the real answer? Because you can get so many mixed messages now. But then I think that given the environment, I, I would be adamant, you know, is the responsibility of each player. And I, I, I really get confused when, you know, I see these antagonist uh, 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 people who don't want to, the problem's not as real as they want, they want to accept, but there's a real problem out there. And so I accept that. And I, I, I just, you know, I think everything you can do to create honest, real data that they use and then, you know, have them, again, have them held responsible. I them to understand they're, they're, they, they got to protect their brothers. You know, they, they got to protect each other. And by doing that, that's how they do their social lives and, to do those things, and then as far as the mental press on all of you know, stay close. You know, and the, the worst thing in the world after this pandemic, or the best thing in the world is technology. They can call each other, they can see each other, they can do like you and I are doing right now. So it's not like you know, back I go back and remember I spent four decades. Is that you know, it's, you know, you never saw your teammates in the summer. You know, and you, you didn't see didn't see them until you showed up for training camp. And, you know, that's so, but now this day and time, the opportunity to stay close and, and make sure if you're taking advantage of that some way, keep them close. 
keep them informed, keep them close. I think it's important what you said, and you've said it all along, is communication, is, is making sure that the lines of communication are open throughout this process because, you know, you said what's real today and, and the virus and the, the way we approach it, the way we handle it, some of those measures have changed over the course of time. And it's just because we're learning day by day. But I think communicating with your team is, is big time important. So like I said, I, I just got one more question. And this one is a little bit fun, I guess. Uh, but, but the question that I have for you is, of all the places you've coached, of all the environments you've been in, which game day environment uh, has been most amazing for you? Here's, here's a question, and this is a coach question. Because we get so much more out of it than people ever recognize, than people would ever realize. My question to you is this. In your career, has there ever been a moment where, a time where the season was not going great, things were not going great, but you felt really gratified because of the work you were doing as a coach, as a leader? I, 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 I can't give you a better example when I was head coach at Tennessee Tech. And I, off, of that, off of that staff, I've had national, I mean, I've got guys who are in, I'm in college football hall of fame, guys who won the national coaches of the year two or three times. I, there's like six or seven head coaches off of that different staff. And so, but where, where I, my gratification came is that if you also, you take the coaches, but if you look and see the players, and we didn't win a game. We only won two games, maybe. And it, it, I, I was awful. I was an awful head coach. 
But our players and our coach, but our player, I've got, we have guys off that team that are the lead astronauts. You know, uh, you, you got guys who own are CEOs and major, major large companies and the corporations in the world. And so the gratification uh, for me is has always been that that you know the, these guys work for you, and so if they work for me, then I work for them. And I I think that the, the balance going back and forth between. They work for me. I work for them. You, you keep all that going and, and keep it honest and really keep it honest, even in the tough times. Um, I, you know, I, and I, you know, I, this is a cliche, but, you know, the times have passed, but uh, I can tell you, one of those uh, staffs and people up there was the Tennessee Tech staff. You know, and because, you know, we endured a lot of things, or they did, and, uh, so I, I think it's, you know, the lessons you learn on the way are, are so valuable. And you need to, you know, reminisce to yourself sometimes, make sure you don't forget those lessons. Well, Coach, man, this has truly been an enlightening experience. And I, I say it's been a blessing. I just got leadership from from one of the greatest coaches, in my opinion, to, to roam the sideline. And, and I think that's valid, fabulous. Coach, I appreciate all that you do, all that you've done. And uh, uh, I, I'm always, like I said, gratified to spend time with you because I learn uh, more and more every day.